I'm Georgie. And I'm Michaela. And we're here to tell you about the University of Aberdeen. In each episode, we will discuss frequently asked questions about topics such as applications, go abroad, student life, sports and societies, budgeting for uni, and life in Aberdeen. We will be speaking to current Aberdeen students, those who really know what it's like to study and live here. And we'll be getting exclusive tips from members of our amazing staff. Join us for this episode of Ask Aberdeen. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you've joined us for this episode, whether it's your first one or you've listened to some of our previous topics, Um, because I have a feeling that today's episode is going to be really interesting. We're going to chat about what it is like to be an international student in Aberdeen and in Scotland in general. And we have two fantastic guests here today. Uh, We will hear from a current student, Jack, who is from the US, and we will also talk to Frances, who is an international officer, and she speaks to students moving to Scotland from abroad daily. So, Jack, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Jack here. Um, I grew up and lived my entire (laughs) life in uh, Los Angeles, California, Um, and I moved to Aberdeen for university um, two years ago, so for my uh, second year. I study psychology as an undergraduate. You're in your third year, is that right? Yes, I just finished my third year and I'm going into my fourth year. And Francis, would you like to just give us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. Uh, my name is Francis McBean and I'm one of the international recruitment officers for the University of Aberdeen. Um, I've kind of had a couple of jobs at the university. I first of all worked alongside um, Michaela, yourself, um, in the UK team for about a year and a half, I think, and then moved over to the international recruitment team my main focus is usually sort of students from China and Hong Kong. Um, we kind of all have different regions within our office that we look after, um, but we are quite flexible. So I do speak to a lot of students from other countries as well. So you'll be able to give us a little bit of a holistic overview of what everyone does in addition to Jack's personal experience. Yes, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully it's going to be useful for everyone who listens. Of course, we know that there is quite huge variations depending on where you're from but Jack is here to give you his experience of what it was like to move to Aberdeen and hopefully anyone will find some of it at least some of it useful. So first of all Jack why did you decide to branch out and consider studying outside of your country of origin? Um, I was always interested in uh, going abroad for university particularly in Scotland and the UK Um, but I did actually do my first year of undergraduate uh, at an American university. So I went to Brandeis University, which is in Waltham, right outside Boston. Um, and I, I had not applied to University of Aberdeen or any Scottish universities my first time around, um, just sort of chickened out at the last minute. And I was like, you know what, I'll just end up going here. Um, and I just didn't feel like it was a really good fit for me. I didn't feel very well taken care of there. Um, and I just felt sort of lost, you know, at that university. And sort of halfway through my first semester, I was like, you know what? Why don't I just take the jump? Um, I'll just transfer or, you know, attempt to transfer, as it were, uh, to Scottish University. Um, so I made my application. I applied to Aberdeen and I got in. Um, and I decided, you know, go and transfer. Also... It's a lot cheaper here than it is to go to uni in the States. Um, so that was a consideration for me as well. Um, but yeah, so I ended up moving here and uh, now I plan to stay in Scotland for um, <laughs> for an indeterminate amount of time. 
Um, yeah, well, we would love to keep you, um, of course. Yeah, well, I am, you know, I really love it here. I really love the university. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be going back. I won't be going back to the States to live. I'll be staying in Scotland after I graduate um, and uh, uh, immigrating here. So, yeah. So did you visit Scotland at any point before you apply or did you just sort of just apply without having ever visited the country? So I visited once before I applied. Um, I came, I went to Edinburgh for a day, I came to Aberdeen for a day because um, those were the two main universities I was interested in. I was in Dundee for like 30 minutes, uh, <laughs> um, which I was also interested in Dundee. I just did, hadn't, didn't get the opportunity to stay there. Um, so yeah, I had visited once before, but that's it. Well, I mean, clearly we made a great impression on you because here you are. Um, but Francis, I know that Scottish Union system is quite, um, might be quite unique and might be quite different from other um, higher education systems in the world. Would you mind explaining how it works? Yeah, of course. So Jack might be obviously quite familiar with it because it is very similar to the system in the US. Um, so it's a four year degree um, for undergraduate studies. Um, but this just gives students like the flexibility to their degree. So you obviously choose like your core subject that you want to sort of spend four years of your life studying. But whilst you're in first and second year, you actually get a lot of flexibility there. So um, you can choose different modules to kind of build up credits in your degree. Um, there obviously are some ex um, things that might not be included in that. So things like medicine is obviously just very focused. And that's a slightly longer degree, but for the majority of the degrees in Scotland, you're looking at that four year um, and that first and second year is very, very flexible. It's quite nice just to give students a wee bit of time away from like their sort of main focus of their studies, a little bit of um, sort of difference in things that they're studying and um, just a little bit of variety really as well. And if you've got a real urge thinking, oh, I really would quite like to study um business management alongside my history degree then as long as the timetable allows it then you're more than welcome to do that um but yeah some students coming from the states might be some sort of might be aware of the uh, four-year system because it is very similar but a lot of students that i speak to um from different regions of the world are maybe used to the three-year degree system which is the english system um, so we quite like to sort of make them aware of that four-year degree and the flexibility that you get within your first and second year. You also have opportunities to swap your degree over. So if you maybe choose your main degree as history in first year and you study maybe some politics and business management alongside that throughout first and second year. Um, if you prefer maybe uh, the business management or the politics side more, then you can actually like look to see if there's the opportunity to swap it over and come out with maybe the politics or the business management degree instead. Um, so there's, there is the opportunity there for students. So it's definitely something to keep in mind um, that you've got that range and that sort of variety and flexibility there for you. Go ahead, Jack. Well, I was just gonna expand on that because I have sort of a pretty clear experience with that. So one of the reasons I hesitated to apply to the UK in general, um, my first time around was because I really wanted to sort of be able to take classes outside of my main focus. Um, so that's one of the reasons I chose a U.S. university. But I ended up be getting really frustrated because there's so many prerequisites you have to take and subjects you're not even interested. Uh, and by the time, you know, even by the time you're at the end of your first year, I felt at least that I was wasting a lot of my time 
uh, taking courses in subjects that I really didn't have an interest in just to fill prereqs. Um, and what I do really like about the Scottish si system is you still have those first two years to take classes, you know, that you might just have an interest in. Like, for example, I took a class in uh, Celtic folklore and religion, um, and that was really fun. I enjoyed that class, but I don't obviously don't want to study that um, for a degree because I do psychology. It's quite different. Um, so I sort of like that, that blend that you get in the Scottish system where you can still explore things in your first two years, but you still feel like you're doing important work for your degree um, and not just sort of uh, spending your time in places that you feel isn't getting you further along in that degree. Yeah, that's definitely one of the advantages and maybe the differences um, from other systems where, you know, you have to take certain things, but also you get the opportunity to just branch out and explore and see what you like the best yourself and what's best for yourself. And then, of course, like Francis, like you said, if you find that you really want to swap into a joint degree and do two subjects together after you applied for a single honours degree, I mean, that's perfectly fine. So it's quite nice to have that flexibility and not be locked into one degree as soon as you come in especially if you don't really know what it's like if you are you know like I didn't do politics at high school level and I applied for it and I had no idea what to expect so it's always nice to get that sort of you know security blanket almost and the feeling that you can swap if you need to swap. I think another thing just to keep in mind as well is that some students maybe aren't aware that it's the same level of degree um, between Scotland and England so even though you might see a three-year degree system and it might be labelled as a um, maybe a, you might see them labelled across the UK as a master's or an undergraduate um, you just sort of or, or a like a BA or an MSc like things to keep in mind is that no matter where you apply within the UK it is the same level of degree that you're getting at the end um, for some reason the Scottish system just has them named slightly differently um, just with the sort of history of um, the education system in Scotland. So we kind of group ours into two different um, sort of things. So there'll be maybe like the arts side of degrees and then there'll be the science side of degrees. So that might be where you see um, those slight differences in the name of the degree. But at the end, it's exactly the same thing. Psychology is a really interesting case of that because um, the psychology degree is offered as both a Master's of Art and a Bachelor's of Science and the courses are exactly the same. The only thing that changes is um, some of the electives and things you can take in the first two years are a wee bit different but the, the core courses of psych psychology are exactly the same. Um, so as you said it does really mean this. it's the same sort of classification or whatnot. And Francis do you know how like how big are the classes um you know is there is some people might be coming from countries where classes are just massive some people might not know what to expect how does it work when it comes to actually sitting in a room with other people so it's quite nice actually we've got like a range of different class sizes and also a range of different like types of teaching so you've got um like your classes will be either if you're in a tutorial um, or like a seminar which is the smaller groups um then this will probably be maybe around about 20 to 30 people. Um, obviously, it can vary slightly from course to course, but um, that's the sort of general sizing. You might find some of the more practical classes, or if it's maybe lab time, if it's a science degree, then the numbers might be slightly smaller because they'll be restricted with um, the sort of health and safety or the equipment that they've got on offer. 
and things like a lecture will be when you're in that sort of traditional lecture hall within the university and that could have a few hundred people within that class um, but they won't all be from your specific degree they'll be from maybe your school um, so it'll be from the school of science and there'll be maybe people there from medicine people there from biology people there from um, chemistry and physics so you'll have students from all of these other different types of degrees but because it falls under the same school within the university that's what we would classify for the sort of lectures um, but Jack will probably be able to give you maybe examples from his class sizes that he currently is in at the moment. Uh, yeah no absolutely um, psychology is really interesting because first of all we have our own school uh, so it's sort of much more condensed with the amount of degrees you have going on um, but I have two sort of principal classes, so my lectures um, can be anywhere from 50 to a bit over 100 people, you know, those are quite large lectures. But then I also have tutorials, which are just, you know, smaller sort of classes, and those will have as little as um, 10, to, 10 to 20 people in them. Uh, so you really do get sort of, even in psychology, which is a pretty popular degree, if I understand correctly, um, you do get quite a range in class sizes depending on you know uh, which uh, which class you're in um, so but I know some of my my flatmates for example they study one of them studies film the other one studies linguistics and their their classes are much smaller um, around 20 people sometimes the tutorials less than 10 or less so it really depends um, you know what you're studying but you certainly do get those small classes here and you also, as you go on in your degree, the classes tend to get smaller. So in politics, first two years, we started with about like 200 people in a lecture and then the tutorials, you know, there was a lot of different groups. But as the time went on and you got more specialized and you went on your own little path, um, you were in smaller and smaller lecture and classes and you couldn't get away with not really attending lectures anymore because um, since there was like 30 of you, you know, it would be very noticeable when you skived a lecture. But also, Francis, something that stuck in my mind, um, Jack, you mentioned that it was cheaper for you to actually come to Scotland. Um, how can people find out what the tuition fees are and what scholarships are available for the programme that they're interested in? So when you go onto our website and you search for the degree that you're interested in, um, across the top of the website, we've actually got different sort of tabs that you can click on. Um, and that will actually have the option to take you to the tuition fee for that said course that you're interested in. It will detail course. Uh, it will detail the prices for students who are from the EU, um, from the rest of the UK, and also international fees as well. Um, so that's quite good that you've got that sort of access there straight away. You can see the different pricing, um, for different courses. Usually they do tend to be roughly the same across most of the degrees, but there are those handful that might be slightly more expensive, um, because of the sort of nature of the degree. Um, so, for example, maybe like medicine. I know I mentioned medicine earlier, so it'll probably crop up again, but that does tend to be a slightly higher um, fee cost. And in terms of sort of scholarships, we actually have huge of a uh, range of scholarships on offer for students. So a lot of people don't apply to them because they maybe think, oh, I'm not going to sort of get chosen if there's an application process or, oh, I don't really have time. But one thing to keep in mind is, that a lot of our um, scholarships are automatic, so you don't need to do anything. So, for example, students from the States, we have a merit-based scholarship. Um, so this offers a range of different tuition fee discounts depending on 
um, they're sort of grades from high school, um, but you can also have ones that we apply for, so there might be an application process, and just to keep in mind that you might want to give yourself a little bit of time to deal with this, um, you don't want to leave these application processes for scholarships right to the last minute, so please give yourself time, but there's loads on offer, again you can just search um, for funding, I think when you search that on our website, um, it does just pull up a funding database and you can narrow it down by popping in your um, your degree that you're interested in, what level of study and your nationality and then that'll pull up a list of all of the different scholarships that would be um, that would be available for you as a student. We're going to link these in our show notes as well if you're interested in um, having a look at that. So thinking about um, you know moving actually moving to university, if you're moving from far away, one of the biggest concerns that you might have might be accommodation, you know, from how you can find a flat to how much it costs. Um, Jack, where did you live in your first year? Or your first year in Aberdeen anyway? Um, so I lived in the student accommodation. I lived in Fife House, which, which is part of the uh, Hillhead Student Village, um, which is just um, a, a wee bit north of the campus. You know, you'd walk through Seton Park, so like 10 minutes or so. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. It felt very communal. Uh, I made a lot of friends there, um, and uh, there's the the twenty is a nice bus because that goes right to you know it goes just right there to the accommodation. So that was always very nice. Um, I actually really like where the Hillhead Student Village is because you get that nice walk uh, through Seton Park, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, you know, every day when you're going to campus or whatever. So yeah, that's where I lived my first year. I absolutely loved living in Hillhead as well because you're there with about 2,000 other people who are all in the same situation, you know, having moved. A lot of them will have moved, even if they moved from Edinburgh, you know, they'll still be finding out where to go for classes, what is there to do in Aberdeen. So, you know, even if you're coming from further away, you will still be in that same situation. And there are people there who are actually like there to help you um, during the day, during the night. Um, there's always going to be someone to talk to. There's going to be always a place where you can hang out. So it's a really lovely communal feel. And I absolutely love Seaton Park as well. Apart from like winter, I don't know, Jack, if you ever had like um, one of those like skating slash sprints to, um, to classes where it was like January and there's like frost on the ground and you're just sliding down the hill and like clawing your way up the hill in Hillhead. One of my friends, um, he actually bruised his tailbone oh. because he slipped on the ice during the winter. <laughs> so uh, so it, it can be quite treacherous when it freezes Yeah, over. but to be fair, uh, to be fair, it doesn't get that cold here in Aberdeen that often because we're right by the sea. So it doesn't happen too often. <laughs> More often you're going to struggle with like, you know, the sun being too bright um, than, you know, there being too much ice. But when it does ice over, it's... Um, fun for sure nobody knows how to deal with it suddenly yeah i was especially captivated by the wee bit of snow uh we didn't get much snow two years ago but this year we got quite a bit of snow um and of course you know coming from los angeles it never snowed ever it doesn't snow there um so me and my flatmates quite a few times just went outside had snowball fights built snowmen you know uh, things like that that I never got to do as a child. Uh, so that was really fun. And I really think we get a nice amount of snow here. You know, it's just enough to be fun. Uh, not enough that it's really that inconvenient. Um, I think so, yeah. as well, like it is, as you say, it's quite good because there may be people coming from all over the world hearing horror stories about the weather in Scotland. But it's nice for you to say, actually, it's not as bad as, as you might think. Like, obviously, 
the winters are going to be a lot cooler than you maybe are used to if you're coming from a hot area of the world. Um, but we're quite like an average climate throughout the year, so we don't have scorching sort of high heat in the summer and then like freezing winters. It's it usually is quite mild, and as Michaela said as well, with with being so close to the seaside, if there is any sort of snow that you see in the weather forecast in Scotland, it's usually more in the central belt. Um, but we're kind of right on the, the North Sea, so the, the sea air tends to stop any snow or ice kind of forming. But it's quite nice seeing when we do have snow um, or the sort of frosty winters when students who are international who have maybe never experienced this in their lifetime get a chance to play in the snow. Um, so it's, it's definitely fun for students, but also staff as well. I'm not going to pretend that we all sit in our office um, can working away thinking oh we've got loads of work to do when the snow is falling and we're in our office I'm wishing that I'm outside playing in that snow as well <laughs> yeah and also I will say I think we get a surprising amount of sun people will don't agree on me on this but I will I will die on this hill I think we get a lot of sun here in my opinion um, enough that you know I can sit outside at least a couple times a week you know soaking up the sun a wee bit so I also enjoy that. I think it's much sunnier, sunnier here than uh, people give credit. Well, I mean, we are well known as the sunniest city in Scotland, well known by, you know, Aberdonians um, as yeah, being the, the sunniest. Aberdonians but... will disagree with you, but yeah. Uh, I know. It's a, it's a, honestly, it's a constant battle with the Dundonians. Like, but, you know, Aberdonians claim that we have the sunniest city in Scotland. So we'll go with that because Jack just confirmed that it sometimes is sunny and he comes from California, so he knows what he's talking about. Yep. He knows his stuff. I think as well, the thing that I love, um, that you'll probably be aware of, Jack, as well, is like the daylight hours in Scotland, particularly so far up north in Aberdeen, are just amazing. Like in the summer, at the moment, for example, the sun will start coming up at maybe what? 4am in the morning, 3am, 4am, and it won't fully go down until, like, it won't be black or dark at night time until about 11, half past 11 at night. Like, I just think that that's brilliant. Like, I was out on a walk the other evening after um, finishing work and it was quite late, but there was still daylight and this was about 10pm at night. Um, so I think that's one thing I personally love is how long the summer days are. Um, and that sort of runs from what, maybe May through till august september time it's just lovely mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely agreed um it is a bit sort of surreal for me again because i i come from so far down south close to the equator um the, it's still quite light outside when i'm going to bed at like 10 30 11 like i would i wouldn't even say it's pitch black at 11 30 it's still sort of the sun's gone down but it's still sort of like a late twilight yeah so that is nice i agree yeah, it makes you realise how far north we actually are. Um, but, you know, it's still we're still on the same island as London. It's just that we're a little bit further up and it just does make a difference in the summer because you you don't realise how late it's getting because it's just so bright outside. Um, and when you move to... This might be a little bit of a surprise when you move to Scotland as, you know, your first year um, and moving into accommodation. But don't worry, our accommodation does have great blinds. I can attest to that. So you can really roll those down and sleep through um, the 4 a.m. Um, sunrises. Um, and Francis, just going back to, you know, the process of applying for accommodation, when should I, as an international applicant, start worrying about 
looking for accommodation and applying for accommodation? So once you've um, firmly accepted an unconditional offer um, to the university, then you can start the application process. So um, the university will obviously make you your offer and then that's when you can kind of start getting the ball rolling. Um, just make sure if you do have any questions, though, there's loads of different ways that you can get in touch with us. You can you can contact us on Unibuddy, you can send emails to international officers, you can get in touch with um, the accommodation team themselves or anyone really um, if you do want to double check anything. But um, yeah, you can go onto the website. There's an uh, online application system. It's relatively straightforward. Um, and then we've got the guaranteed offer of accommodation for first year students um, and particularly sort of international first year students. So um, you've got that um, option there for you as well. So you know that you're going to have somewhere to come to. Don't leave it to last minute because um, I think particularly for any student, but um, definitely international students, you've got a lot of things that you need to do. So you've got to apply for your visa. You've got to get flights booked. You've got to maybe send over things like your clothes or some household items. You've got to maybe sort of think about all of these things. Um, so it can be quite a long process to sort of get everything completed. So just the one thing to keep in mind is don't leave it to the last minute to apply for accommodation. Um, there is a deadline, I think it's sort of in the summer. Um, so make sure that you apply by that deadline. But the, the accommodation section of our website is really, really helpful. That's got all of the information you're gonna need um, and you can just have a wee look through there to see um, when you can apply, the application form, what types of accommodation are on offer and also the types um, and the sort of prices as well that we have there. So I would definitely say even just to have a wee look around the accommodation section is really good to do. And speaking about the different types of accommodation, what if I'm a bit older or I don't really, you know, drink alcohol or, you know, I prefer quiet um, space? Is there... Is there a sort of option to choose to live in a quiet block? Yeah, of course. No, we've got loads of different types of accommodation on offer. So we've got the standard um, range of catered and self-catered. So you can choose between those options. We have um, en-suite accommodation if you would prefer your own private bathroom. And then we also have the opportunities for students to um, choose quieter blocks or non-alcoholic blocks. So if you would would prefer um, to have either of those um, as your sort of choice, then you can just choose that within um, your application. And there's loads and loads of different types on offer for types of accommodation on offer for students. So um, you can definitely kind of be quite particular about what um, options you would like to have. But yeah, to answer your question, we've got the option there for students to um, choose non-alcoholic quiet blocks things like that and also um the one thing that people might not expect coming from abroad um because you know you see it in american movies all the time american americans they often share a room with someone else but in in the uk we don't really do that so you will definitely have your own room we do not do any doubles you know shared with someone else so you can always just have your own space which is really nice it's also um, a really handy space because the Hillhead Student Village is actually really close to the Aberdeen Airport, which is an international airport. Um, and I personally use it a lot. And it's just like, what, 10, 15, 20 minutes um, taxi journey um, away from Hillhead. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, it's really nice having the airport that close. Um, uh, you know, if you come in late or something, it's genuinely 10 to 15 minutes by cab. And it's a pretty cheap cab as well, because it's pretty short. 
Uh, you can also take the bus um, pretty easily, although that takes around 45 minutes to an hour. Um, but if you just take a cab, and there's always cabs here pretty much, it's only, you know, 20 quid or less. Uh, and uh, yeah, like 10 to 15 minutes, so that's nice. And I did want to say, um, having the individual room for accommodation was absolutely luxurious compared to my first year at American University. Um, I couldn't believe I had my own room. I was so, so excited to have my own room. Uh, so yeah, no, that's definitely a, per <laughs> a perk of the perk of the uni, a perk of the country, I guess, uh, that you do get your own yeah, room. Because you do still have that communal space, like for example, like you'll have your kitchen space, which has got maybe like a couch that you can relax in and there's central spaces um, within the Hillhead central building. So like you do still have that sort of opportunity there to meet and socialise with people. But I think it's really nice for students to know, actually, if you do just need <laughs> a bit of time to yourself um, and you like your own space um, and you like having your own bedroom, then you've definitely got that um, guaranteed. Every bedroom is, is private bedrooms. Yeah, which also does help with the sort of you know, the transition that you don't immediately need to be best friends with everyone. You can sort of do it at your own pace, in your own time. But you do have a set group of people that live with you that you will be interacting with daily. So they're pretty much, you know, automatically you have a little group of friends that you don't need to um, work to have. <laughs> you just automatically get um, people. And we don't assign by... Um, like courses like you're not grouped with other people who are doing just psychology it's a mixture it's a mixture of different nationalities we do not have just uk students block and just international students block it's all mixed together so you will really meet a lot of different people from all over the world um, and usually our flats tend to be single sex but you can also request mixed gender flats if you prefer that so you know there's a lot of different options and you absolutely you know if you go for hillhead you will you will be secure and you will be taken care of because those guys know what they're doing. So Hillhead is really fantastic. But say I've just moved into halls, I am jet lagged after my 12 hour flight, you know, I'm confused, I don't know where any of the unit buildings are. Um, you know, you don't have to, that might be the thought that you have, like immediately, what will I do after I move in? But you don't really have to worry about, you know, like doing much yourself, like, you know, finding out where things are because the university is here to help. So during first week of uni, um, when you just after you move in and the week before teaching actually starts full time, there's a number of events which are collectively called Freshers Week or also Welcome Week. Um, Jack, can you sort of tell us about what Freshers Week is? Yeah, no. So Freshers Week was really fun. Um, it it kicks off sort of there's a there's a what's it called like a reception and desk and everything student center. Uh, at Hillhead so you know, it starts out with a few introductory events there which are really nice sort of just making sure everyone's settled and all that um, and then for Freshers Week it's just a myriad of daily events for, um, for first-time students um, and I can't remember or recall them all here but it's safe to say there's quite a few every day um, and uh, I was also happy that there was a lot of them uh, like, I think a lot of people have the perception that all the social culture is just going to be drinking or something like that. Um, but the majority of the events did not, like, weren't, you know, going out to the pub or whatever. Um, they were, you know, there was a lot of open days for things. 
um, I got to try archery actually as part of the archery club's open day, which I thought was really fun. Um, and uh, so they have open days for a lot of the societies, obviously meetings for a lot of the societies and stuff, introductory things. Uh, and then just a lot of other social events that are really fun. Um, from that, I ended up sort of having a large friend group of about 10 to 15 people that we all just sort of gathered to go to those things. Uh, ended up getting really close with them. So, uh, yeah, I was actually very impressed with the, the Freshers events. It was a lot more sort of an effort to to um, promote, you know, socialization than I had seen or expect, expected. So, yeah. Yeah, societies fair and sports fair, those are the two sort of, I would say the most popular events that happen during that week because that's just like, there's usually um, a really big fair over two days where you go in and there are all these stalls with different people from different societies and sports teams and they try to convince you, you know, to join them for a taster class. So, you know, like Jack tried archery, I tried, um, I tried Glee Club, um, didn't work out too well, I have to say. But, you know, you just get to try all these different things for free usually and then you can decide if you want to sign up and do it full time. Did you stick with archery? No, I did not stick with archery. Um, purely though, just because I ended up uh, being on the water polo team because that's what I did in high school. Uh, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to get back into water polo. Um, so I did that instead. Um, but I was tempted to join the archery team. I thought it was really fun. See, and it's it's never too late to do that again. So if you, you know, if you still wanted to join, that's perfectly fine. A lot of people will try joining absolutely everything in first and second year and then sort of figure out what they enjoy the most. Um, but, you know, you can also just like the Quidditch club that we had and uh, we had a Quidditch team um, when I was in uni a few years ago. It only lasted one year. Um, but, you know, people tried. Uh, I did not end up trying because I think I was a bit skeptical about the whole setup of flying on brooms around in public um wasn't too keen on that but i do know that there was like you know like if you come up with a quidditch club team idea that you want to set up again you can do that as well um the uni is all about doing new stuff and trying new things so uh please do come to aberdeen and set up quidditch team i am now ready to join you guys and fly around on broomsticks <laughs> so you know freshers week is just such a big event and you will meet a lot of people you will get a lot of opportunities but there are also practical there's also a practical side of things that you will get to sort during that week francis would you mind telling us a little bit about what sort of induction events there might be for international students yeah of course so there'll be a sort of couple of things to keep in mind is that i think they'll do like they can offer things like um, a campus tour because obviously it's maybe your first time that you've been to the university you might have seen pictures or you might have spoken to someone and heard a wee bit about it but if you think actually I could just do with a campus tour and get a wee look around and someone to show me um, the different sort of buildings where the different classes take place and where the library is and where the students union is um, then you can do things like that um, but a lot of the sort of international officers will also hold things called pre-departure events or maybe offer holder events so you may well meet us in country when we're allowed to start traveling again um but we're also holding things online at the moment so this is actually where you can speak to the international office that's responsible for your region um, and we can talk to you about um the sort of getting settled into campus talking to you about the accommodation if you just need a wee bit more information we can talk to you about 
the campus and the sort of spaces that you can make use of whilst you're studying. So there's loads and loads of different things that you can use these pre-departure meetings for. Um, and it's just a really good way as well when we are in country and we offer these to students. Um, it's a good way to meet sort of other people from your country that will also be like moving over to Aberdeen to study at the university. So it kind of gives you um, a friendship group before you've even come to university, which is really nice. Um, and they like usually the students will kind of help and support each other um, with sort of any final things that need to get prepared for moving over to Aberdeen. Um, so that's the sort of things that we would we would handle um, within the international office. But I think um, the sort of Students Union will put a lot of things on for international students as well. And we also have the International Centre, which is a great um, a sort of building on campus that students can get involved with. So we'll hold different cultural events. We'll hold different um, sort of festivals throughout the year as well. So um, it's a really, really good thing that you can get involved with when you're on campus. Even if it's just you want to go and learn about a different festival or a different culture um, than your sort of home country, it's a really good thing. Um, we quite often have, I think, a lot of things revolving around food. So I would definitely say if you're a foodie, it's probably good to go make use of the International Centre. Yeah, they have Thanksgiving. Um... I know that for sure and they also do pumpkin carving and they like watch movies and pumpkin carve and all of that stuff and obviously they do stuff for the Chinese New Year as well so if you ever feel homesick the International Centre might actually be quite a good place to go because of these events that run throughout the year and also because it's just a meeting place for people who might be wanting to go abroad from Aberdeen they might be from Aberdeen City and they might be thinking about going to the US for example and it might be a nice way to sort of meet someone who's interested in your culture um, and is looking for more information you know and that way you get to sort of share about yourself and about your country. Right Jack and you spoke about the water polo um, sports team that you're on would you mind telling us about all these different things that you guys do? How does that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so the water polo team, like a lot of the sports, um, at the university, we practiced at the um, at the Aberdeen Sports Village, which um, there is a membership fee for. But if you're a member of, if you're a member of the university or student, uh, you get a heavy discount, and you actually don't need to pay just to play the sport. Um, so like if I just wanted to go in and do water polo, that would be uh free, um, but. I also use the gym, so I get a discount for that. Um, but anyway, we practice about three times a week for a couple hours, which I think is the perfect amount. It's not so much that it conflicts with, you know, study or anything like that, but it's enough that you actually feel like you're doing good work. Um, we go on, we do tournaments, we do games, things like that. Obviously with COVID, that's a bit difficult. Uh, so we haven't done that this year, but the year before that we did, and I'm sure this, I hope this upcoming year that we're going to be doing that quite a bit. Um, and, uh, one of the things I really liked about at least the water polo team here, and I, I think it's very similar for a lot of the other sports teams here, is that it didn't feel too intimidating. Like the, you still play the other universities regionally and even, you know, um, depending on where you get to, you can globally as well. Uh, but it's still pretty, um, relaxed enough. It's not nearly as intense as I would expect from like an American university, for example, um, uh, just because that's my frame of reference. Uh, so it's really just sort of a social group that are all really passionate about the same thing um, as opposed to anything else. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a really nice sort of community to have when you join a sports club like that 
or something, or just a society. I think it's it functions pretty much the same way. And while you actually have played water polo before, there's also the possibility for anyone to join any new team, um, try a new sport that they've never done before, like archery. I presume you haven't really done archery before you tried it, did you? No, I'd never done it before. Um, but with so with water polo, for example, we have several people on the team who never played water polo before, and water polo is a pretty uh it's a pretty intense sport like there's a lot of training for it you're treading water the whole time there's a lot of swimming um so it's a pretty intimidating sport just to join the team for but there's quite a few people who just you know decided to do it um and you know they now play on the team they're full members you know there's uh and you know we're happy to have them and it's it's good i think with my experience with the water polo team and what i've heard from other sports clubs is that it's very easy to just walk on and try it out and join the team um it's really open to anyone and with all the teams like you can just go in not knowing anything and you'll be on the team and functioning as part of the sport in no time really and that's also a really fantastic way of meeting friends as well because you're very likely to socialize outside of those training sessions as well yeah, no, absolutely. Actually, at least the water polo team and most of the sports teams, if not all of them, have, um, you know, uh, social secretaries and people who set up social events. So it's a very sort of well-organized effort uh, for sports teams and societies to do social events. Uh, additionally, I'm the welfare officer for the water polo team, and many of the teams have the same thing. So we also have a pretty good framework um, to best support people and to make sure that our team uh, and the environment around us uh, is being as supportive and uh, inclusive as it possibly can. Um, so there is a really good framework set up for people even outside of just playing the sport. Yeah, and that is also something that if you get involved in being a member of the committee, that is something you can use in the future for your CV, for applying for jobs. So we always encourage people to get involved in societies, sports teams, and get that sort of experience because it will look really good for you that you might have, you know, while also having a part-time job and also studying at university, you also organize pub crawls for your team. I mean, that's going to look fantastic. Obviously, you can word it a little bit differently um, for your future employer. But um, yeah, you have a lot of fun and you're also working on your future, which is fantastic. And you, as you mentioned a couple of times, you're from Los Angeles and then you lived in Boston before moving to Aberdeen. That must have been quite a culture shock um, coming from those big cities in, uh, on another continent, uh, coming to Aberdeen. And now that you've been here for, what, two, three years, um, how would you describe the city to others who might be considering moving here? So I personally love Aberdeen very, very much. Um, after I get my go and get my master's and hopefully my doctorate, I would not be surprised if I came back and lived here. Um, I suppose what I would describe Aberdeen as it's a beautiful and fun place to live. It can be challenging to visit. Um, the first time I visited Aberdeen, it was early January. Uh, so it was the middle of winter. Um, and going from such a large city as Boston or Los Angeles and coming here, um, you know, it's the third largest city in Scotland, but that's only 200,000 people around that or so. Um, so there's a really nice main street and there's a lot of really nice nooks and crannies but it can be somewhat of a shock when you land the first time and you're like oh this is city center this is where the university is um especially if you come from a city where there's a lot of people but um 
the way I always describe Aberdeen is enough. Uh, there's enough that you always have something to do, but not so much that you won't ever do it all. Um, so that's sort of my philosophy. Also with the beach uh, and all the beautiful sort of nature centers, you have Seaton Park, you've got, um, you've got uh, Duffy Park, you've got so many beautiful green spaces. Um, so yeah, I would, I think Aberdeen is such a fun place to sort of find your little places and find, like, find your guide to the city, um, that is going to be so unique, uh, and so sort of special to you. And I'm sorry to bring this stereotype up, but you being from California, um, have you done surfing in our beautiful North Sea and on the beach? So I haven't gone surfing, but I have started recently um uh sea swimming no. so every couple yeah no so i yeah so yesterday actually i went and i've been going in every couple days um and it's it's doable like it's it's cold when you get in it's the north sea after all but really um especially in the summer you know you just jump in for a bit uh and uh come out and then just lay on the sand and there's sun and it's really it's uh, not quite like you're in Los Angeles on the beach, but if you squint your eyes, it's sort of like it. <laughs> um, but uh, I do see surfers there, surfers though occasionally. Um, so especially if you have like a wetsuit or something, you certainly can. Um, it's a really nice beach, you know, obviously it can be somewhat cold at times, but other than that, it's a really nice stretch of sand, really nice sort of waves. Um, and the beach is actually one of the reasons I was really interested in Aberdeen initially. Because I always want to live close to the sea, you know, because I, I grew up pretty close to the sea. Um, and sort of one of my long-term dreams from when I was a kid is that I'd be able to see the ocean from my window. Uh, and I thought that's something I'm never going to be able to accomplish or whatnot. Uh, and I can see the ocean out my window in my, in my, uh, in my little st in my student flat. Uh, so that's, you know, really, really special to me. And I think the ocean and the all that really sort of characterizes the seagull. I actually got my first tattoo a couple weeks ago and it's a seagull. So, so the ocean and the seagulls that brings and all that is uh, really important to me. Is the seagull stealing a, a chip? No, it's not, but I have, there's some fun street art I've seen of that, of a seagull stealing a chip. Um, so yeah, the seagulls are certainly a big part of the culture here and I think they're so fun. They're, you know, they're such little menaces. Yeah, that's one way to describe them. Um, they they are a bit scary if you come from, like, I come from a country which is landlocked and our seagulls, well, they're river gulls, I guess, um, there's no sea, but they're way, way smaller than these monsters that are flying here. Uh, yeah, same same thing in Los Angeles, they're much oh smaller, they're very big. I do like the whiskey powers them, the iron brew, um, that's, that's <laughs> what powers them. Francis, how... How do other international students from possibly other parts of the world, how do they react to Aberdeen? I think the thing that um, is always really good to like hear um, and to be aware of is that like the air is very, very clean in Aberdeen. Some people are maybe moving from countries um, or really huge cities where there's high pollution, there's maybe smog, and you do not get that in Scotland. Um, You've got loads of green space, you've got loads of seaside around pretty much any of the major cities. You really don't have to travel very far. So it's a very fresh, clean um, sort of environment that you live in, which is really nice. Um, you also don't have long commutes. So 
a lot of students that I speak to um, in China or Hong Kong are having to get two sort of hour train journey to go to a university nearby because it's such a vast country. Um, and that'll be the same for students from other areas of the world as well. So you can walk across Aberdeen very easily. Um, and I like think it's just to be able to do that and have that sort of lifestyle of the city life. You've got the hustle and bustle of cafes, restaurants, bars, cinemas, bowling alleys. You've got everything you expect a city to have but then you're also totally surrounded by the countryside. So if you like to go out in your spare time and do um, hill walking or mountain biking or go and look at them like hundreds of castles that are within a stone's throw of Aberdeen, um, you can do that really easily. Um, and then as Jack mentioned just there about the beach, that's what, maybe about a 10 minute walk from the campus itself, if that. Um, if that, I would say less, but yeah. Yeah, and to be able to just finish a class or maybe you've got a break between your classes and it's a glorious day and just be able to walk down to the beach and go and um, you can walk the full, pretty much the full length of the city and um, you can walk right along the beachfront and there's the things like the sort of traditional beach boulevard that you might have seen. So there's like a Ferris wheel, there's arcades, there's cafes and ice cream shops. Um, but then you do see people out there who will be going sort of um, like swimming in the sea. They'll be doing surfing, bodyboarding, loads and loads of different water activities going on. So you've got all of that within the sort of life in Aberdeen, essentially, which is just um, really, really nice to see. Um, no matter what sort of lifestyle you want to have um, being a student, you, you can do any of them, really. And I also found that the city is quite international. Uh, it's probably because of the historic links with, you know, other big um, oil and gas um, countries and cities. But it's very international. So, you know, don't don't worry about like coming to this country or this city where literally no one has ever seen a foreigner. Um, that happened to me when I lived in Alabama. No one literally had seen a foreigner before. So I was a big attraction. I am not a big attraction here because there's so many international students and so many people from different cultures, different religions, um, different uh, skin colors and everything. So it's a really nice cosmopolitan place. Um, it feels a little bit weird saying that about a city of 200,000 people, but I think it's really nice, it's really mixed, you will meet people from all over the world, but also you will run into people you know all the time when you're in the city centre. I worked in um, a little convenience store in the city centre, the amount of people I would run into that I knew from somewhere um, was huge, anytime I went for, you know, like if I went for drinks in the afternoon or <laughs> in the early afternoon, you know, after a rough lecture. Um, I would, you would run into people you know, and you would speak to, um, you know, people that you meet for the first time, and then suddenly you see them everywhere. So it's really nice, but also it actually is quite a big city. So there's, you know, a variety of different things. Like there's a vegan cafe, um, you know, vegetarian zero waste cafe, that sort of stuff. Like there's still like subsections um, of society, even within this sort of sort of tight-knit community so I really like that. Like a good thing I like to say to students as well is like it's obviously a big change moving to university never mind when it's halfway across the world and if you do have home comforts we've got like loads and loads of different types of like supermarkets from around the world so we've got um, like pretty much everything you can think of in terms of like supermarkets, restaurants, um, so there's there's loads that you can sort of go and have those nice home comforts if you just think, oh, I'd quite like to make 
a dish that my mum would make when I'd be at home and you can go and buy those. Um, like for example, from the university, there's a couple of international um, supermarkets, what, maybe five, 10 minutes walk away. Um, and you can just go and buy food to make those sort of home comfort foods. Um, and obviously I'm going to be very biased because I am Scottish, but I do think in general, Scotland is a very, very welcoming country. Um, and people will just want to know everything about you, so be prepared to talk. Um, we do like to have a conversation um, or a blether, as we would say. Um, so um, you will find that people are really friendly, really welcoming. And as Michaela sort of mentioned there before about um, the sort of history of the oil and gas in Aberdeen, it's brought people from all over the world who have now settled in Aberdeen. So that's why we have such a diverse mix within the sort of just general community within the city, but also within the university. And also teaching staff as well. Academics have come over to teach at the university because of its sort of rich heritage um, and the sort of research work that's carried out here. So as well as the student body, the staff is very international as well, which is really nice because it's just it's so nice being able to talk to people and meet people from all over the world. I think it's, it's one of the best things about doing um, this job, I would say, is, is getting to meet people from all over. Have you done any Kaylee, um, Jack? Attended a Kaylee? No, I haven't. I saw that the LGBTQ forum was was doing it, but I never went. I never mustered the courage, but I am really wanting to go to one. And when they put one on, uh, I think I'll probably be going to that one. Uh, but I have not, no. Have you? They're great fun. You get sore feet, but they're great fun. <laughs> I, I think that's where the welcoming Scottish spirit really comes through properly, because you get... You get dragged in and you are dancing a Kaylee, even if you have absolutely zero idea what to do. So that is um, definitely something. Also, we have Robbie Burns night um, in late January where you eat your haggis and your tatties and neeps, which is, you know, potatoes. And what is, what is a neep in, in English? Uh, we we had a we had a proper Robbie Burns night uh, this season. We got a vegetarian haggis that was quite good, uh, and then my my flatmate who's from uh, Dundee he um, recited the um, the Robert Burns poem. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Um, I forget which one and what it's called though. But yeah, so it is quite fun, and there's usually uh, fireworks as well and things like that. Uh, so that's nice. Yeah, so if you do want to immerse yourself in the Scottish culture, you know, there's definitely going to be opportunities for that. And Scottish people love talking about Scotland and Scottishness and everything Scottish. Um, so you definitely will have the opportunity to do that. But don't worry, it's not the only thing that you can do. It's not de it's not a crash course in Scottishness. You know, you can you can also find out about other things and do other stuff. Anyway, is there any parting words that you guys would like to share with our listeners? Um, yeah, I suppose I would say that um, coming to the University of Aberdeen, uh, I consider to be one of my most influential and one of my best choices I ever made. Um, and I never have a moment where I'm like, oh, I should have, what if I had gone here? What if I had done this instead? Uh, genuinely, I always, I never have a moment of doubt uh, that I did the right thing and it's difficult for me to imagine what my life would be if I hadn't ever not only moved to the University of Aberdeen, moved to Aberdeen, but I'd never come to Scotland because um, I really feel like there's such, I feel so welcomed into the community here and I really feel a part of, you know, sort of the culture um, and I feel very accepted. Um, so really 
especially to the American listeners, but just because of the I have the shared experience. But to anyone else, I would really recommend um, giving a Scotland a, a good whack, as it were, in the University of Aberdeen, especially. Um, it feels, I feel very much at home. It's great to hear. Is there anything you would like to say, Francis, before we wrap it up? I think just um, we've, we've obviously covered quite a lot in this, but like we've got such a rich heritage for education in Scotland and it really goes to show because within Scotland we have, correct me if I'm wrong, Michaela, is it 17 higher education institutions? And for a country that's what, about 5 million people, I think that that's amazing to, to say that we've got so many universities or colleges that students can come to so um, just keep that in mind Scotland is a really good location for people to come and do their time at university and choose a degree um, and sort of follow through with their studies um, and obviously Aberdeen um, I, I do think it's a really really great location you've kind of got everything that you could want from a city but you've got countryside and seaside and it's a really really nice place like what you mentioned earlier Jack about um, it's not too big that you're thinking, oh, I'm not going to have time to do everything whilst I'm at university. It's just big enough that you've got plenty to fill your free time, um, but still feel that you're at home and that you're comfortable and that you're settled in um, because it's a really, really sort of lovely environment um, and a really nice sort of homely feel to it. It doesn't feel like a massive city where you're going to be lost. Um, and even within the university, we're sort of classified as a medium-sized university, so about 14,500 students. And for me, I think that's really good for students because you're not going to be sort of left in the background or lost in the crowd. Like if you need any support, if you need um, help or assistance or anything or just someone to talk to, like you will be heard because the university is that sort of nice size where you've got um, plenty of sort of opportunities um, and the staff to sort of student ratio is really good as well. Um, so it's a nice sized university to feel part of the community but not sort of be lost in the crowd I would probably say. I hope that we have now convinced you to absolutely come to Aberdeen or at least you know at least apply. Um, we, we will try to convince you after you apply as well but I, I hope that you have found this episode helpful. Um, Jack obviously sharing his first-hand experience is hugely hugely helpful for us all to hear it from the mouth of babes you know um i oh, i think that's a saying anyway um so thank you so much for joining us jack and also francis for sharing your um world view um, with us from hearing from other students from other parts of the world and please do email us with any questions or if you have any um any suggestions about what we should cover next we will include a link in the show notes to how to contact our international officers or how to contact our current students as well through the before mentioned aforementioned unibody platform so you can chat to other international students one-to-one -one as well and please do join us again next week next week we um so it will be georgie who will be speaking to um two science students who will be talking about what it's like to you know, study science and what do they do day to day, uh, what to expect from that. So please do join us next week again and I hope you found this helpful. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Ask Aberdeen podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic we should cover, please email us at ukteam at abdn.ac.com dot uk we would love to hear from you 
To be alerted about new episodes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.